This is a show about getting spooked for fun, and neither one of the hosts are associated with the attractions discussed in any way, except for those skeletons in Devin's closet. Some topics may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. In the water, uh, there's something there. It's a shark, 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 shark. <laughs> do you get that reference? I do. That was a pull. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm pretty good at those. You know, you know those those lesser known pulls. Oh, my mic was way too low. Oh, well, that's okay. The deep cuts. You really have to listen in for that one. You really you have gotta... to listen real close for that reference. For those deep cuts. I'll be very quiet. Hi, and welcome to the Great American Scream. My name is Devin Wright. My name is Adam O'Connell, uh, and welcome back to our little our little summer event here, our Summer of Scream, which is a name I'm really trying to push, so I hope you guys appreciate it. Adam, uh, <laughs> the sun is hot and yeah. high in the sky, yeah, because now is the time when the earth gets real close and cozy with the sun, and it gets real hot out there, and we all put on our SPF 73, and yep. we go out in those hot ocean waves and we ride them real good while sipping our drinks, the was, Miami Colada. That was great. Thank um, you. I summer to me, I think summer is cute for like the first three weeks. And after the Fourth of July, I'm like, I'm over this. I want oh, to okay. fall. That's interesting. I've made the decision to move to Los Angeles, which yeah. I'll mention every single episode, I think, <laughs> uh, including when I'm already out there. So I've kind of decided perpetual summer is what I'm all about. Like, I Baby. think I was okay with it when I lived in Florida, but my biggest complaint about living in Florida was, like, there's no fall Living here. in Florida? It's, well, yeah, but also, like, there's no fall here. Like, oh, there's yeah. a little bit of a fall in the winter for, like, two weekends. Yeah. And that's Those it. are always when we would go to Florida. Mm-hmm. Because, but November, again, for us, we would, we would step out in the December, uh, at, right out of the Orlando airport, yeah. and we'd be like... Oh, it's so balmy, yeah. and it would be fully, like, 65. Yeah. Um, but uh, whatever you are choosing to do this summer, I hope uh, everybody's staying safe, staying cool. Perhaps you are relaxing at the beach. Staying out of the shark-infested <laughs> waters. Because we are going to celebrate summer uh, by talking about, I think, my number one summer film, uh, Jaws. Uh, it's also Shark Week, which I didn't even realize until I it's started researching Shark Week, this episode. Baby. This is we're recording this on Sunday. This is the beginning of Shark Week, so this is perfect. Discovery, call us. <laughs> uh, hey, as we go into Shark Week, I'd like to remind everyone of before we jump into the main event of this episode, which is Jaws the movie, Jaws with the shark. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to mention the. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm laughing because I'm looking up this video. Uh, it's a, it's a, it, okay. So on Comedy Central, yeah, Anthony uh, Jeselnik had a show that got canceled, uh, but he did a episode of his show uh, where he celebrated the death of a human being at the hands of a shark because. Oh. <laughs> Millions of sharks are killed each year, and so this was a celebration of oh my the God. fact that it was like humans 
3,600,000 sharks won. Oh my god. So <laughs> they had a shark party. Uh, and I'd just like to shout that out because I still think that it was, uh, he was, ro- he was robbed yeah. uh, well, of a show and it was a great bit <laughs> and we deserved uh, to celebrate sharks because they're sick as hell. Yeah, I love sharks. I think sharks are great. But however, you know, this movie, yep. this was, I think, the first like anti-shark quote, propaganda. Well, yeah, but this is also the first like scary movie that I was allowed to watch. Oh, uh, okay. Was Jaws. Um, and it definitely made me afraid of sharks for a short time being. I still, my thing about sharks is I think they are so cool and beautiful and I would like to be at least 150 feet away from them at all times. Like That's interesting. They're, they're very cool, but uh, like, like that doesn't mean that if I didn't see one in the ocean, I would not poopy in my pants. <laughs> I'd like to give that phrase a little air, <laughs> a little yeah. time to breathe. Uh, I would love to get into one of those funky little cages. Mm-mm. Uh, with a shark, I'd I love would to never do that. ever want to do that. I but- used to watch the Shark Week special of MythBusters, where Jamie tested punching yeah, sharks in the nose. I remember that and episode. Would be like, I felt really bad punching <laughs> these sharks in the nose. And anytime I I watched that episode, I was like, I'd love to be Jamie in that moment. Except instead of bopping them on the nose, I yeah. just kind of give them some pets. <laughs> Listen, like uh, Jaws is a movie that I watch every single summer per tradition. It is not summer has not started unless I have watched Jaws. Uh, usually okay. with some kind of tropical drink so, in hand. Yeah, Memorial Day. That's not your vibe. No, you know, it's a lot when of people, I watch Jaws. You know, take the cover off the pool, shock it a week before, have a barbecue Memorial Day. Now summer started, baby. Mm-hmm. You're saying no, no. It's kind of a sliding scale. Whenever yeah. I get to Jaws, whenever I get summer to Jaws, begins, when summer starts. If you watch Jaws on Labor Day weekend, summer is three days long. Yeah, exactly. That's when I, I like take like the work hat off. And I'm like, it's summer. Um, now, is Jaws a horror movie? You know, our, it, its place on uh, this lovely horror podcast that we run. Means Jaws, that it is. And that's uh, it, period. It is a horror movie. <laughs> I, would call, I would call Jaws a thriller, which is also what Wikipedia calls it. Um, yeah. And I think what separates it from Nothing's horror films. Save you from the shark about to bite. You know it's thriller. <laughs> hey. What I think kind of separates it from a horror films, it's avoidance of any recognizable horror tropes kind of turns it into a thriller. Um because okay. I also don't consider most uh like giant animal I don't consider animal attack movies horror movies unless they're like an alien giant animal like supernatural or something. Which Jaws is, first of all. But second <laughs> of all I would like to talk about you're saying that animal by itself, not horror, adds yeah, some I don't think kind that of crazy thing to it. So we could call this scale the Jaws to Sharknado scale of thriller versus horror. Because once would, you add a tornado, like which the, is now <laughs> throwing sharks around, now it is a horror movie. I would more call it like the Jaws to like Cujo scale. Where like Cujo okay. is just a dog, but he is like also there's something supernatural going on. A talking there. dog? Uh <laughs> I think also <laughs> what I'd like to talk about in this moment is there's another side of this political compass that I'm creating. And that my question to you is <laughs> is Moby Dick a horror book? Because I feel no. like this is kind of a direct descendant. No, okay. it's the same way that Jaws 
I think I would not call Jaws a horror movie, even though we were talking about it on our horror podcast. Because I think yeah. most it's a like, beast hunt movie. Yeah, some people do consider it a horror film, and uh, old Brucey boy often gets lumped in with like yeah. horror villains. Some people I, consider I it fun. a love movie, <laughs> kind of a romance. Yeah. Um, and I honestly, I think one of the, its biggest things that changes it from like a horror to like an adventure thriller is it's 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 too Steven Spielberg to be a horror movie, which is not a knock because I love Steven Spielberg. No, that's and I a love really he does. fair point. Yeah, yeah. Like it's too Steven Spielberg to be a horror movie. Um, like I, I, I didn't research to see if Steven Spielberg's ever directed a horror film before. I don't think he has, but yeah, I um, mean, you take Spielberg away from ET, and it kind of becomes yeah, a it becomes movie. a horror movie. That's I was yeah. just thinking that. Um, but yeah, I would call it a thriller film. But okay, we are going to talk about it since it does get kind of lumped in with horror. Uh, but there's no whether or not it's a horror film. Nobody can argue that it is not one of the most iconic films of all time like jaws yeah, those is like things have nothing to do movie. with each other so you jaws, can't argue jaws like jaws is the movie if it's the like, only movie say adam, a movie the, it's I'm jaws glad, adam it only took us eight minutes to get to the point of the thesis of this <laughs> podcast this episode which is that jaws is the only movie it's the only one it's the only movie that matters it's the only one like it's the only movie when I was young, it was my absolute favorite movie. I watched it constantly, and I, I truly never get sick of it. I will watch it whenever it is on, no matter where in the movie I flip the channel. It doesn't matter if it's the last yeah. 15 minutes. I'm going to watch it, to, or it's the next 90. I'm going to watch it to the end. That's, um, that's, my, that's my connection to it, is that almost every, like, Sunday or, like, Saturday, I would, like, come downstairs at some point, and my dad would be watching Jaws. Not clear when the movie yeah. started, not clear what channel it's on, not clear when my dad began watching it, but now Jaws was on. Yeah. The only other movie I do that for is Forrest Gump. I'll watch that all, well, like, all the way through every single time. Yeah, I mean, that's because there's no way to actually begin Forrest Gump at the beginning. It is <laughs> always think, about 45 yeah. minutes into a four-hour movie. I don't think I've ever seen movie. Forrest Gump from the very beginning. I've never seen Forrest <laughs> Gump from the minute it starts to the minute it Adam, ends. I've just seen it all It's not pieces. possible. The length of Forrest Gump is one minute longer than the world record for the longest somebody has stayed up. Like, you physically can't watch it. Yeah, I think that ideal summer events are beach and pool screenings of Jaws. I think they're super fun. Okay, uh, I'd go for a pool. I think beach is a bit... Oh, might, it's might fun! Scare the children. Oh, it's fun. But uh, Alamo Drafthouse is doing a screening later this month, and I can't get tickets. So if you're listening, Alamo... Why can't you get tickets? It's sold out. Oh, okay. I I'm thought it was just like a... No. <laughs> I thought I'm it was not, an Adam-specific yeah. fan. <laughs> but Alamo, if you're listening, please let me in. I want to see it so bad. Um, so I want to talk about this very iconic horror-adjacent film, uh, the impact it had not uh, not just on film, but on worlds and on culture, what is so scary about it, and also definitely the Universal Studios ride. Duh, um, the best ride. Uh, the only ride. The, I, again, the only Joss ride. Joss is the only... Listen... We've all agreed that there's no such thing as original American culture. The only original pieces, uh, forms of American art are uh, comic books created by Jewish Americans, jazz created by black Americans, and also minstrelsy shows, but we... Uh, but also Jaws. And then Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's hash out some of the basics. Uh, Jaws, directed by Steven Spielberg, released in 1975, based, uh, what many people don't know, based on the 1974 novel of the same name by Peter Benchley. Uh, yeah, but it was based screw off of reading, a, we have the movie. 
Nobody needs ba- to read anything. <laughs> it's based off a book, uh, and it's actually Peter Benchley's first novel. Um, and the novel is actually what I learned because what I was obsessed with doing as a kid was seeing a movie I really liked and then immediately going to read the book. Um, wow. Which, because uh, I didn't realize that there was a book based off of it or whatever. Um, but what I learned is that the Jaws book is not very good. Um, no. And Steven Spielberg agrees with me. Uh, like, the thing about the Jaws book is that the three, or actually most of the main characters are so unlikable. Steven Spielberg said that he was actively rooting for the shark, uh, which is kind of fun. But um, Again, you take Sp- Steven Spielberg away from this movie, and I think way more people would root for the shark. To yeah. be fair, I root for the shark <laughs> in this movie. The shark is the only character I care about in this movie. That's not true. There are... I How can you not character. love little marine biologist Roy Scheider? <laughs> Look at him. I, <laughs> His little denim outfit. I actually, I also he dresses care about like Quentin Brody. Bushwick. I can't. He does. That's that's very fair. I also care a lot about Quentin Brody. Yeah, and, they're like, great. I, I, that was a lie. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, podcast. I lied to you. I wanted to seem cool. <laughs> so uh, what you might know about Jaws is that it has a famously troubled production. Uh, it was the first major motion picture to be shot on the ocean, uh, which proved to be difficult. Uh, they mm-hmm. were over budget, they were past schedule, and the mechanical sharks that were nicknamed Bruce after Steven Spielberg's lawyer uh, they often malfunctioned. Terrible. Yeah, they were the worst sharks. Never worked. But um, as we all know, made the movie way better. Yeah, because this is majorly why. Yeah, this is majorly why we don't see the shark until the film's third act. Um, because the sharks were malfunctioning so much to save time and money, Spielberg opted to merely suggest the shark's presence using POV camera angles, and then John Williams's obviously iconic score right uh, the song we all remember from jaws dan 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 yeah. <laughs> no wait i'm sorry that's not it wait uh it's ba 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 keep going through john williams I, um i i'm good you know he did the music for a lot of the english uh versions of uh, miyazaki films really yeah Nice. That's why a lot of them sound so Western. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and this would become one of the biggest, uh, like, reasons for the film's iconicness. Um, if you haven't seen it, first of all, you have not watched hey, the movie. Don't You can't say you've seen a movie before because you haven't seen Jaws. Where have you, have you been living <laughs> under a rock and not been to a movie theater? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. Nobody's been to a movie theater. Oh, no. God. That doesn't make any sense but anymore. But if you, if my, it, this is what I'm saying. If... You haven't seen Jaws. You can't say you've seen a movie before. If you have ever <laughs> you have been, th- this is the film. thing. If you have ever been into a movie theater, it's no, been haven't. to see Jaws. Oh, if, okay. And if and if you've been to a movie theater and it hasn't been to see Jaws, no, no you, you haven't. haven't. <laughs> so go watch it. Uh, second, the uh, film follows the small New England. It is ac- actually off the coast of Long Island, but was filmed in Martha's Vineyard. Uh, beach town of Amity Island being terrorized by a giant man-eating great white shark. Uh, yes. Police chief uh, Martin Brody. Um, the only I, bad I, part about Martin Brody is the fact that he's a policeman. I, 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 asked, I, I made a mistake podcast before. I, I said Roy Scheider when I met Richard Dreyfus because I was talking about Richard Dreyfus as Hooper the Marine oh, Biologist, not Roy Scheider yeah. as the police chief. Um, when I talked about him looking like a Brooklyn hipster, I met Richard Dreyfus. Right, right, Dreyfus. right, right. Oh, Devin froze on me. I'm frozen. You're frozen too, but I can hear you. Oh, there we go. I was just oh, okay. apologizing to the podcast. No, I heard you the whole time. Okay, I was here the whole time. It was just you. <laughs> awesome. Um, 
So, uh, so it follows police chief Martin Brody, played by Roy Scheider, uh, teaming up with a marine biologist, played by Richard Dreyfus, Hooper, and Quint, a shark hunter, uh, played by Robert Shaw, to hunt it down. It is the proto, the, like, when we talk about summer blockbusters now, Jaws was the first one. Jaws invented the summer blockbuster. It was the Jaws first film. Jaws is the only movie. It was the first film to get a wide theatrical release. Like that's really wild to think about. I mean, you yeah. think you think back to like what the event movies were before Jaws, and they were musical films. So then, once you had Hello Dolly fail, and the musical film ceased to exist, we like reverted back to like caveman times in terms of movie releases. <laughs> what is movie? <laughs> People are rubbing two sticks together, and they're saying, "Is this movie?" <laughs> like we would not have marvel films without jaws like jaws okay was the blue okay stop films. giving positives <laughs> about a world without jaws i was saying that is like any summer marvel i'm just joking please hire me <laughs> that is uh like jaws was a blueprint um so i think uh other than i would like to share some of our our I mean, we've already shared many of our thoughts about the film, but also talk about some of the, I think, the scariest moments of the movie because this is a very scary film. Yeah. Um, but I think it is a great entry-level non-horror horror film. If you yeah. think you do not like scary movies at all whatsoever, but you would like to try one, start with Jaws. It is yeah. thrilling, but not like... It's not sinister. It's not like horror right. Movie That's scary. exactly the right word. It yeah. it is, and it's a bit anxiety inducing, but it is all for fun. Like there yeah. are a lot of horror movies, even entry level ones, that the fun is supposed to come from you not feeling good. Yeah, and Jaws, you're always feeling good. Yeah, it's just the right level of bloody and violent. Like it is, like there's blood, but it's not gratuitous. I said there's literally a severed leg in one shot, but like for it's, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, something yeah. about, but something about it, like. Doesn't it's feel like we Spielberg, see a. It's that, that Spielberg I'm spice. Just saying, it's just Spielberg. Like we see a severed leg and a severed head floating in the water, but it doesn't feel any like it doesn't feel gory. Like it's yeah. genius. Um, and it does have two jump scares, but this is not like an edge of your seat waiting for the next jump scare kind of movie. Right. You um, know that the jump scare is coming, but again, not in the anxiety inducing way. A lot of horror movies are, but in a Spielberg way yeah. where you're like, I'm about to be spooked. Yeah, they're just good, good jump scares. They're fun. Uh, so let's talk about some of the scariest uh, scenes and moments okay. of the film. And Devin, if you have any I didn't get that you want to throw in, you can. I want to talk about Chrissy Watkins and her terrible yeah. death at the beginning of the film. That's, I mean, that's <laughs> the first thing I have is the opening scene and perhaps the greatest opening to any film just ever. Uh, the yeah, very first attack kind of in Jaws is horrifying. And very, yeah, very Spielberg-esque to reference, ki to kind of reference Psycho in that yeah. you have this character introduced at the beginning and you're like, ah, oh, this is their main character dead and she's dead immediately kills her off instantly it's great uh and with an incredible performance by susan backlany uh who's a stunt performer who played chrissy uh oh. who was thrashed around with cables for the scene and there's also a like there's a like a film myth going around that when she's like screaming for help and saying it hurts because like she had a rib broken or it was actually hurting that is not true she was not actually injured during the scene she's just a good actress yeah, this uh, isn't a Vigo breaking his toe yeah. in Lord of the Rings kind of thing. She even had a cord that she could pull that would release the cable should something happen or she'd be in pain. Uh, that's another great thing about this. Okay, so they did say that the the movie, like the production was troubled and it did kind of suck to be out there like right. on the ocean and stuff. But everyone was safe. Nobody was right. in it danger. Wasn't, yeah. 
it just sucked to be out on a boat. Of course with these it did. Three dudes for however many months. Um, uh, and the sounds of her, which I always think is the most horrifying part of the scene, the sounds of yeah. her like gurgling and swallowing water, uh, which I think really like that, that, that yucks me out the most. Yeah. Um, that was uh, achieved by laying her head under a microphone while they basically just poured water from a bucket on her head. Yeah, uh, that tracks. So that, I mean, that'll do it. I guess my my thesis for it for the for the film is that because it is the only movie, right? <laughs> because it's Spielberg showing us such a movie. Yeah, even stuff it's that would be movie. super scary and freaky in another film, it feels like a movie, and not in a way that makes you like drop out of it. Not in a way that makes you go like, oh, this is just a movie. I don't care. You're going, this is a movie. <laughs> like, That's the thing. You're hearing you know this gurgling is? and you're like, I should be freaked out. Yeah. But this is a movie. You know, like, I think what it is that I've just realized is that you never stop having a good time in Jaws. Like, you're scared, yeah. but you're still having a good the time. The town of Amity is having a bad time. But we are having, having a good time. Excellent time. time. Yeah. A lovely um, sound of the summer type yeah, vibe to this movie. <laughs> it is. Um, we don't, back to uh, Chrissy's death, we don't even see the shark as we discussed <laughs> back to before. This poor woman. This poor woman. Uh, we don't even see the shark, and yet it's the scariest death in the whole movie. And also, we don't see any blood. Uh, when the shark pulls yeah. her under the surface at the end, and it's just silence. We just have to imagine, and we only see her from the top from her neck up like we yeah. just have to imagine what the shark is doing to her underneath the surface to warrant these screams yeah hey any any fellow nyu people if you're like you know first year in tish you're filming tv you have to write something for someone write a paper about the use of like blood in jaws because like we all have this idea of like blood in the water you know chumming the waters sharks yeah, come in the and there's blood is. in the water and that is such a well-utilized, like, visual in this film. Like, you have no blood in this scene, and then you think of, like, the blood in, like, the fi- like the shot of of uh, Brody shooting the tank mm-hmm. that you just get this explosion <laughs> of blood and water and all this stuff. It's just such a – it's such a genius thing for Spielberg. Spiel- hey, Steve. He's so good great. Job. <laughs> Dude, good job, buddy. Um. Uh, another scene I want to talk about uh, is the next attack, which is Alex Kittner's death. death, which is like, I remember watching this as a kid and going, oh, like they killed a kid. This is like, <laughs> I'm not safe. Yeah, I'm nobody safe is safe from, in this from movie. Bruce. Um, what I think is most horrifying about Alex Kittner's death is that he is broad daylight surrounded by other people. Like he's like yeah. 10 feet at most from the other people in the ocean in this geyser of his own blood that comes up when he gets pulled underwater and this movie is rated pg because pg-13 right. was not a thing yet but it is right, still rated we, pg like they haven't amended it it, is right, still it PG. should be because it's the only movie and you need to be able to be introduced Everybody should to, be able it. to watch it yeah yeah with their parent around uh and this this one also so my one here's my cinema sins take on this <laughs> film ding i don't think that that Adrian Brody should be able to close the close the beaches. I don't think the police chief has that kind of power. I think that the what's the what's the mayor's name? Vaughn. Sure. He's the one who's like, please keep the beaches open for the economy. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, you know, trying to paint local politicians as bad and local policemen as good, which I don't agree with, Stevie. We can talk <laughs> about that. But 
I don't think it's up to Brody to say no, we're closing the beaches. But the setup of like, you, ugh, this is such a good movie. Because yeah. you're watching this go on and you're like, yeah. somebody's going to die. And I do think uh, Everybody's mayor... going to be super happy at the beach and then somebody's going to die. <laughs> I do think the mayor, you know, most of the mayor's takes in this movie, terrible, all bad takes there. He does like two good takes. I mean, one of them being like when he like after Alex Kittner dies and he's finally like comes to terms and like signs the thing to hire Quint and stuff. But the yeah. other one is when they pull the tiger shark out and they're like, we yep. got it. And uh, Hooper and Brody are like, let's cut it open, make sure it's the right shark. And yeah. uh, the the mayor is like, are you insane? If we cut the shark open, a little 12 year old boy carcass <laughs> is going to spill out all over the dock. Gonna, there's a boy in there. <laughs> if insane? we follow all of our all of our assumptions to their conclusions. There's yeah. a boy in there. Yeah. Like, let's not, be clear. Like, the new, the media is here. Like, we're not doing this, gang. <laughs> the press is here. And what you're saying is we should reveal a dead boy. That's what yeah. you're saying is yeah. me, the mayor, should pull open two velvet red curtains yeah. <laughs> to reveal a boy. And, like, uh, the mayor in the book, he's, like, skimming money off of, like, taxes to, like, pay for his own stuff. But in the movie, he's seems at least just genuinely concerned for the small businesses of Amity, which is like true of like tourist towns that like tourist towns yeah. like Amity without the money from the summer, they're dead in the water. Forgive the pun. But right. uh, so right. those are his like two good takes to this movie. The rest of the takes are bad, but those are my like straw man has a point. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to get into the fact that uh, being pro small business is a, is a red herring and doesn't actually mean anything, but we yeah. can, you know, we can move on. <laughs> Anyhow, um, yeah, Alex Kittner's death uh, really kind of cements, I think, what kind of movie we're about to get into. And it is horror in broad daylight surrounded by people, which we don't get a lot and is yeah. one of my favorite and, things. Yeah, when executed well is the best. Yeah. Um, uh, one, the next, that's one thing that, hey, yeah. we got to give Piranhas 3D some credit here. <laughs> <laughs> that most that movie take place in the day. Yeah, that scene where they're all like hopping off the lake dock. And I've then, only ever seen the trailer, but I think I know exactly oh, the scene you're talking about. Yeah, like day horror is very good, and something that scary fish movies apparently excel at. Yeah, um, and that's what I think when this movie kind of like feels like summer. Like it's always daytime. It's not always daytime, but most like a lot of movies, it's daytime. There's this beautiful blue water there at the beach, and like yeah. this is summer. Um, <laughs> anyhow. Uh, next, I want to talk about the Ben Gardner jump scare, which is right. like the big jump scare of the movie. And this one really got this was my first big jump scare. This really got me as a kid. Um, yeah. So this one is when uh, Hooper and Brody go to investigate the missing fishing boat and Hooper's poking around in the, the scuba suit looking for stuff. Yeah. And then Ben Gardner's uh, severed head kind of floats. Yeah. Like, well, he sees that cool tooth and he's yeah, super he excited. Yeah, he gets the tooth. Yeah, yeah this then, is why it's scary for me uh, as a young boy, because I see that shark tooth. It's 2004. You know what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. That's going to make a sick necklace, bro. <laughs> and then here comes Ben's dang head. Yeah. A fun fact about uh, the actor that played Ben Gardner, not an actor, was just a fisherman that lived in Martha's Vineyard that they loved yes. and just threw into the movie. Yes. And a ton of his uh, a lot of Quint's dialogue was based off of stuff that this guy playing Ben Gardner just said on just set, like out. off camera. Hell yeah. <laughs> this guy That's rocks. how you write a movie, baby. Um, and so originally the scene, which again is a very, very good jump scare, um, 
it was the, originally when it was shot, it was not a jump scare, but his re- the reveal of the head did not get as big of a reaction as Spielberg wanted from the audience. So yeah. he paid himself to have it reshot in his editor's pool to make it into a jump scare. Steven. Steven. <laughs> you wild boy. Um, And it worked. Like, thank God they did, because this is a s- scary, scary moment. Um, there's yeah. like a scream that accompanies it, and I can't tell if it's supposed to be diegetic or not. I, like it's <laughs> Adam, I love I don't know the what's idea making that, it's that not. sound. <laughs> I love the idea that they were like, just throw a just throw a scream in there. It doesn't sound like Hooper. Right, Shri- right. Like, that he's makes underwater. Sense. Like he is under yeah, which everybody <laughs> knows in in C <laughs> no one can hear you scream. Like, I don't know what it's supposed to be. I love the idea that they threw that in, like a laugh track. <laughs> Go back and listen to it, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, okay. Uh, also, of course, got to talk about you're going to need a bigger boat. Um, yeah. Which, uh, it's by the way, it's you're going to need a bigger boat, not we're going to need a bigger boat. It's like one wow. of those Mandela wow, effects thing. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, it is our first. It should be we. This isn't a mandala effect thing. This is a. It's an edit. This line would make more sense, <laughs> and we as a we as a people, watching the one movie, we're like, we're gonna make one edit here. Yeah. Okay. Um, is our first good look at the shark, uh, and yep. it's really a master level jump scare because of the music. Because John Williams has now set us up and trained us to think that music equals shark, and no music equals no shark. We are safe when there is no music. Uh, however, in this scene, the shark just breaches the surface in the middle of dialogue as characters like wisecracking with each other no music no classical kind of like setup he just yeah appears yeah and kind of steven spielberg flexing that i know i have one of the most incredible uh like composers ever i know mm-hmm. he will have trained you well for this moment yeah now i'm going to capitalize exactly as it needed and it's our first look at how absolutely massive the shark is this is my problem with you trying to act as though this is just a normal fish movie with a normal sized fish and that's why this isn't a horror film he's a big shark he's like 25 feet long he's three tons he is a big great white shark but there's no inclination that this is because of supernatural means how big (laughs) can great how big what average gray white sharks get oh I just, great white shark, biggest great white shark, his name was Deep Blue, which is a great name. Yeah. He is, oh God, he's he's 22 feet. Ooh, that's a big shark. But the average length is 15 to 16 feet for females and 11 to 13 feet for males. Okay. And how big was, was Bruce? 25 feet. Okay, so so bigger than the biggest ever. He is shark. large. <laughs> he's a but large I, boy, to be clear, and he yeah is apparently also a trans icon because <laughs> what? Uh, well, because <laughs> a male shark would never be that that big. Oh, okay. I see. So what I'm saying is, Bruce is uh, an incredible trans man shark, and he's married to Deep some- Blue. Some discourse that I didn't know about. <laughs> oh my god! I wish there was discourse about that. Um, and and finally, the last kind of very scary scene I want to talk about is Quint's death, uh, which is brutal. It's, it's a lot. Violent. Yeah, especially for Brody, his 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 uh, <laughs> gay friend who's you know dealing with a lot of repressed homosexuality throughout this film. 
And it's a lot. But I think Quint's death, too, it's not even one of those kind of heroic send off. Like, I think of like Clever Girl from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Like, that's a very kind of like, oh, I, I'm one with the creatures that I hunt now kind of death. <laughs> this is not that. Quint is suffering. Yeah. And in extreme it, pain. I do put it up there with clever girl in terms of like iconic yeah how deaths. cool it is but they're but they're very different different tonally yes because clever girl is like oh i've been bested by the yeah very you're creatures kind of I cheering yeah. yeah you're kind Quint of cheering. Is not. Quint yeah, is Quint, not and it's different from every other shark death which i'm sorry to the our tiny boy who does end up inside of bruce's big old tum-tum yeah. but i am cheering when bruce kills that child <laughs> Don't take me out of context. <laughs> Here, in ten years, there will be a compilation. Yeah. Um, and I mean, because we also have the death of the guy in the estuary who's in the little rowboat in the little canoe. Yeah, which uh, we which need I- to talk about how this big shark boy got into that like reservoir. Into like, I know a little it's an pond. Estu- yeah. Yeah, I love. I like that that uh, line of dialogue where. Uh, Brody asks his son to go to the pond, and the kid goes, "The pond's for old ladies." <laughs> and Brody goes, "I know it's for old ladies, He's right? Yeah, but do it for the old man. It's very nice. There's a lot of good dad-son dialogue in this movie." Um, yeah, yeah. Brody's got big dad energy, but anyhow, um, he's also got big gay energy. So by that token, he has big gay dad energy, which is um, an energy you don't see in cinema don't enough. No. Um, but yeah, because uh, the the uh, the death in the estuary is also violent. We that's when we see the severed leg. But it yeah. is none of them are nearly as violent as Quint's death. When we see, yeah, even if they're violent, him, they're not it, tragic. Like yeah. I mean, they're tragic, but they're not tragic. You yeah, know? like we see half of Quint in the shark's mouth when the blood starts to spurt from Quint's His mouth. mouth. PG movie. Black. PG. Yeah, PG movie. Like, it's violent. Yeah, it again speaks to, I don't like how much we're praising Steven Spielberg. I love you, Steven Spielberg, but it does seem like this is just a Devin gushes about Spielberg. But, like, he knows that this is the one character we've actually been invested in. Yeah. You know? His death Um, wouldn't be as impactful or good on screen if it was treated the same way as the other deaths. And Hooper was supposed to die because he dies in the book. Uh, In the book, Hooper dies when he goes down in the shark cage uh, shortly before this. um, Yeah. When they try and poison the shark. Yeah. But. Which uh, wild plan, by the way. (laughs) The the phrase hypodermic spear gets thrown out and it doesn't seem real. The reason that Hooper ends up surviving is they, um, two like researchers for this movie caught this really amazing footage of a great white getting tangled in an empty uh, in the cable of an empty oh. shark cage. Yeah. And they were like, this footage is so cool. We need to use it in the movie. It's perfect. And you can very much tell when you're watching the movie where the mechanical shark is yep. and which is the yep. real shark. But um, uh, they're like, we really need to use this, but the cage is empty. Um, so they added a scene of Hooper like swimming away and hiding behind some some coral. Uh, yep. yep. <laughs> and he survives. Um <laughs> Yeah, those are the the top scary things I want to talk about. Unless there's anything that you wanted to add uh, no, to the, the scary scary parts, I, I think you hit all them. I think that the moments, uh, again, speaking to the just in, like just the quality of this film, I think all the barrel scenes, which mm-hmm. only exist because the shark was not available to shoot <laughs> that day, he was uh, he was somewhere else. He had a prior engagement, but the like barrels getting like dragged under and like 
Ugh, that mm. freaks me out. Yeah. I do enjoy the, the heroic music that plays every time they manage to land a spear. It's like, as <laughs> it swims off, it's great. Um, even though as a kid, I didn't really like, you know, A, I didn't understand Quinn's accent as a child. And B, okay. I, didn't understand what the, I didn't understand what the plan was. So when they landed the barrel on the shark and there was the heroic music, that at least clued me in as a kid. of like, oh, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. That they we did what they set the out barrel. to do. This is a good thing that we now have a kind of bobber on top yeah, of the boy. I get it. Boy. I get it now. Um, so now uh, the cultural impact of this film, obviously massive. Uh, beach attendance declined sharply in the summer of 1975, which like mm. the movie even bills itself as like the film that made you afraid of water. Good. Um, people wouldn't even go in pools. Uh, That's like good, actually. Important thing. <laughs> um. And while in theaters, this film was actually said to have caused a single case of uh, cinematic neuroses uh, in one 17-year-old. And cinematic neuroses is a condition in which viewers exhibit uh, mental health disturbances or a worsening of existing mental health disturbances after viewing a film. Uh, This is one of the only ever recorded kind of uh, medically like monitored cases uh, as – like not just immediately while watching the film, but for days and weeks after as she yeah. wasn't able to sleep all the way through the night. Uh, and the day after the film, uh, she would wake up in the middle of the night screaming sharks, sharks and, and convulsing. Which is what I was referencing at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> That's not what it was. <laughs> uh, this I have this, but with uh, Call of Duty zombies. Ah, OK. From the fifth game. I couldn't sleep for like two weeks. Um. And Jaws, alongside The Exorcist, uh, are films often examined by medical professionals as causing stress reactions in its viewers. Uh, these are kind of like the two big ones. All right. Um, but also alongside of people's fears of going into water, Jaws also changed the public perception of great white sharks forever. Incorrectly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because despite being creatures who will only attack if provoked and if you or you are encroaching on their territory, if you look like a seal, Jaws sort of unintentionally painted a picture of great whites as killers who actively hunted humans. Yeah. Um, and the movie and the novel that it's based on are loosely based off of a string of shark attacks in New Jersey in 1916. But a wide release sent Jaws, uh, a, a wide release like Jaws had sent the nation to an absolute frenzy. A kind of feeding frenzy, if you will. Yeah. Every blue-collar fisherman in America was setting out on their little boats and trying to kill sharks. Which, which is bad. Guys, they're shark but also hey sharks. every single, you know, 32-year-old white man with some summer shandies on his little tin boat, you're not Brody or Quint. You're neither of them. And, like, this is literally a scene in the movie when all of those little fishing boats and Hooper gets there and all the fishing boats yeah. set off before they kill the tiger shark. Yeah, you um, know how I know that you're not Quint or Brody? Because you're too homophobic to be gay. <laughs> and if you're not gay, you're not Brody or Quint. <laughs> um, Pete, that's funny that you say Quint and Brody are the gay ones because I definitely would peg Hooper first as the of gay one. Of course Hooper is gay. That's in the text <laughs> of the film. Um, I'm saying that subtextually the other it. two are gay. Got it. Textually, um, super textually, <laughs> Hooper is gay. Got it. Um, so Peter Benchley, the author of the original novel, actually says he regrets writing it because of the effect that it had on the shark population. And also just because it was a bad book. Yeah, also because it was a great book. But he's, he didn't know anything about sharks at the time and spent much of the rest of his life post-Jaws campaigning for shark conservation, which is great. Is he not, is he not with us anymore? Uh, I don't think so. I think he has oh. passed. Rest um, in peace. 
But so research uh, by biologist Dr. Julia Baum suggests that between 1986 and 2000 in the Northwest Atlantic Ocean, there was a population decline of 89% in hammerhead sharks, 79% in great white sharks, and 65% in tiger sharks. And this was 10 years after the movie came out. But even like you can make the connection. Um, yeah. Of, of uh, you can make the connection that sharks saw the movie and were like, <laughs> We don't like the energy that New England is putting towards us. Get out of here. I see that you're bent on my destruction, so I won't be giving you any. What's that quote? I'm saying it wrong. It's a Zoomer quote. Oh. I can see you're bent on. Uh, you're rooting for my downfall. <laughs> rooting for my downfall. Oh, well. Didn't find it. It's not here. Oh, okay. But um, that's what the shark said is, yeah. I can see you're rooting for my downfall. I won't be putting my energy towards this anymore. <laughs> and they went um, away. So, uh, and sharks really do not pose a danger to humans unless we make ourselves a danger for them. Statistically, about 10 people a year die from shark attacks, and they are usually a case of mistaken identity by the shark. Uh, as the shark thinks you are food, takes a bite, goes, you're not food, and then leaves. Yeah. Um, and, and to put that into perspective, a hundred million sharks are killed yeah, each year yeah. by humans. And people don't people aren't eaten by sharks. They like when people die from shark attacks, they die from the trauma following. Yeah, we don't taste good, y'all. Yeah, they don't eat We're us. not seals. Um and great white sharks are a vulnerable species. Uh and uh again not individually, but yeah. kind of as a Again, it does not make me any less afraid of them. Uh but um, I thought, you know, let's, I wanted to plug some, uh, shark conservation networks, uh, there's sharkconservationfund.org, Project Aware, and Shark Trust are three really great organizations focused on, uh, shark, uh, awareness and, and conservation. So do check I out. I would also, uh, suggest, uh, the video on YouTube called Shark Party, uh, Jesselnik, <laughs> which is a great, uh, video and I would recommend it. I also like, hey, in this outline. You said, however, this does not mean if I saw one in the ocean, I would not poop my pants. Yeah, which pants. I said earlier. <laughs> you did say it earlier, but you said poopy in my pants, which I like <laughs> that you added that little flair. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so finally, I want to talk about the legacy, more specifically, the sequels and the Universal Studios ride. Um, so Jaws grossed about $1.15 billion in 2021 money, uh, which is $427 million in $1975. Insane. Um, this, which also, yeah, which I said this before the podcast started, but this movie was made on $9 million in when it was made, which is still only like $42 million today. Um, insane. You know, when Universal, because Universal did think this movie was going to flop. And then when it didn't, uh, it launched several terrible sequels that absolutely nobody asked for. Yeah. And there are so many horror movies that don't need to be franchises. There's so many, but this is like up there with the number one franchise that does not need to be a franchise um so jaws 2 came out in 1978 is basically the exact same plot as the original just with chief brody dealing with a different shark and then blowing it up with electricity instead of compressed air it would be wild if it was the same shark (laughs) (laughs) well well, it's like frieza in dragon ball z he comes back with like cybernetic enhancements (laughs) and he's and his dad is there too (laughs) Well, eventually the franchise gets there, but first we have Jaws 3D, which came out in 1983, widely considered to be the film with the worst special effects of all time. 
Yeah. Uh, it follows the two Brody children as they work at SeaWorld uh, when a shark attacks wow. a new underwater exhibit featuring some of the most abysmal 3D effects ever put to screen. They, it looks like hot steam and garbage. It's really bad. I, uh, Adam, I love it to death. I yeah. love that we make this podcast together. I know that you just said hot steaming garbage. Yeah. But it did sound like you said hot semen garbage. Just then, Ew. Which is possibly the most Yuck. disgusting thing you've Bad. ever said. Ew. Um, and then finally, uh, Jaws the Revenge came out <laughs> in 1987. It is by it's far a mummy tie-in. the most ridiculous one. It follows Ellen Brody, Chief Brody's wife, after Chief Brody has passed because Roy Scheider said no thank you after the second movie. And so they um, killed him. <laughs> uh, as she realizes that the, her family, the family members of the yes. original shark are yes, stalking and killing her family. And they follow her to the Caribbean and her family. Um, Michael Caine is also in this movie. Uh, this film disowns jaws 3d entirely replacing all of the canon and advertising itself as quote the third film in the jaws franchise the power <laughs> that that has that is um, more 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 what are they four quals should do that and also without exaggeration probably a fifth of this movie is sepia-toned flashbacks to just footage from Good. the first one and characters having flashbacks to things that they weren't even there for. Like when yeah. Ellen's about to kill the shark at the end of the movie, she has a flashback, quote, quote, to, to Brody killing the shark in the first movie, which she wasn't there for. There for except it, she has like psychic sharky senses in this movie. Okay, like, kind of a Spider-Man thing. Yeah, because early in the movie, she like steps into a body of water and then she snaps up and she's like, there are sharks here. <laughs> There, I can feel the sharks. And somebody's um, like, yeah, it's the ocean, Ellen. <laughs> of course very, there are sharks in there. This is a very silly movie. Um, I'm trying to think of other franchises. Like, there are other franchises you could name that should have done this and disowned their third one. One of the I'm going to go with least obvious, which is, yeah. of course, the Alvin and the Chipmunks series. Yeah. should have disowned a Chipwrecked and gone with and said that Road Chip is the real third one. Real third and the movie. most obvious Shrek Forever After should have billed itself as the third Shrek movie. Shrek the third should not exist. Wow. I think I would prefer Shrek the third over Shrek four. You are clinically another. insane. If you, and if I, Adam, <laughs> I swear while. to it's God, been a while. you're confusing the two. It's, <laughs> Adam. Been, it's been a while. It's been a while. Anyhow, um, I don't really remember what happens in Shrek the third besides after it's the, the frog it's the king Arthur dies. One. It's the which it's, one? It's the Arthur one. Yeah, he's a, he's there. What happens? Yeah, he's, and exactly, Adam. It's a bad film. <laughs> okay. Um, the fourth one is Rumpelstiltskin, and it's yes, the best one. <laughs> Anyhow, I want to wrap us up by talking about the Universal Studios ride, because, of course, we have to Thank talk God. about it. And this is something that could get its own episode in the future. It is a little far removed from what we talk about. But yeah. it is scary, so if it is something you would like a full episode on, please let us yeah, know. Yeah, and both of us have watched the Defunct Land episode on it about 50 times, I would yeah. say, so like we want to talk about we it. We can do it, yeah. If you want it, we'll do it. But for now, we'll just go into the basics of it. Uh, the ride currently only exists in its purest form at Universal Studios Japan. Uh, it was originally at Universal Studios Florida. With, uh, and then soft- it got a Guardians of the Galaxy re <laughs> Uh 
Um, it soft opened on June 7th, 1990, but actually not really because it experienced technical issues so massive that Universal ended up suing the ride manufacturer because the ride just didn't work. And then they uh, countersued because it was all <laughs> actually Universal's fault for like planning badly, which is so wild. Yeah. So they remained in technical rehearsals for years. Yeah. Like they, they basically rebuilt the ride from scratch, uh, and that which took three years. Uh, which is fitting compared to what production of the Jaws film was like. It's only like it only makes sense that the ride production was also terrible. <sighs> um, but it functionally opened in 1993 and immediately became a fan favorite, which did not save it from being closed on January 2nd, 2012, to make room for Diagon Alley. Boo! Uh, which stinks. Diagon Alley is a bulldozed. cool land, but man, I miss Jaws. If it got bulldozed to make Nintendo Land, I would I would accept it. Uh, there is a cool Easter egg, though, if you're ever in Universal Studios. Next time you're there, go look for this. Uh, if you go into the Nocturne Alley part and you mm-hmm. go to the storefront, what's the store? Not what's the evil store called? Borgen and Burke. Bor- Borgen and Burks. Yeah. Um, if you go there. Adam, and- <laughs> I don't like that you just asked me for for vague Harry Potter knowledge, because as you know, the other week I was at your lovely new apartment. Yeah. And there was a wand on the bookshelf nearby. Yeah. And somebody said, what wand is that? And I identified it by sight. Wait, which that, one was it? It was McGonagall's wand. Oh, did you see You're, the other one? But I Because mine's Adam, there too. <laughs> yeah, but it was embarrassing to my core that I do so much and you've done it again, except this time on our podcast. <laughs> Um, well, it's just outing myself for the knowledge that there are two Harry Potter wands in my apartment, but I digress. Yeah. Um, so if you go into to, to Borgen and Burks and go to the back window, uh, there's a bunch of shrunken heads hanging there. And if you, you have the interactive wand and you do the spell there, they sing Show Me the Way to Go Home, which is the sea shanty from the movie. Ah, OK. Nice. You have little uh, Harry Potter worlds can have little of rights. As yeah, a there's tr- there's a little there's a little a couple more. There's like a uh, there's some shark. uh teeth and like a, a big shark jaw somewhere in there they're around um some little easter eggs um but so the ride uh put guests on captain jake's amity boat tourist captain jake being a reference to jaws the revenge as there was a character named jake in Bad. it um ready for an exciting tour of the real life town of amity uh which was plagued with shark attacks in the 70s that be quote became the inspiration for the movie um right kind standard of universal like full fair circle there yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the skipper assures guests that they haven't seen a shark in years in Amity. No. Uh, and, of course, you realize where the story goes next. I'm uh, guessing that they see a shark, shark, <laughs> shark, shark. Yeah. Uh, the ride was a technological marvel when it worked and was very scary for young children with the animatronic shark coming within like a foot of the riders on the yeah. boat. It gets close. Um, which it is got thing close, with, Adam. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Universal is a Universal. You will always walk off rides sopping wet for no reason, although this one yes. makes sense. But also, yep. you will come within like a foot of all of their props and yeah. electronics. This one makes sense, at least. At yeah. least you are literally on a boat. When you walk yeah. off the Simpsons ride, you're like, "Am I covered in uh, Springfield <laughs> juice?" <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and not to mention some of the fire and steam effects on the boat were a little too close for comfort at that scene at the barge when they blow up the thing. Yeah, but that's uh, uh, listen, uh, you, you, your mom did not get us, did not get burned by the fire on Jaws. It was, Jaws. Hot, it was a sunburn, and you um, just yeah. And the skippers were the true stars of this attraction, armed with a fake grenade launcher and just all the uh, ham in the world. Uh, it was really like Jungle's Cruise Skipper taken up to like 11. Right. It was a lot. It was um, like if you put a killer shark on Jungle Cruise, yeah. which, hey, 
Good idea. They're they're hey they're they're reimagining it right now. It could still happen. Yeah, but it's already done. So not the the Florida one isn't done yet. Disneyland's but done. But like we already there. know what they're doing. Like yeah, we, we already know, do. and there's no um, killer shark in no, it. So no I'm shark. not going on it. Just the hippos. Listen, all this PC culture. <laughs> listen, most of these PC culture warriors are not going to go on Splash Mountain when they when they change it from the racist rabbit into Princess and the Frog. I'm fighting the true fight. And I'm saying I won't go on Jungle Cruise until they add a big killer, killer shark. Um, so the skipper is the one that saves the day in the end, uh, leading the shark through an electrical wire, which fries it, uh, just like Reference Jaws 2. To Jaws 2. Uh, except that it's alive and gives one final no. jump scare before the skipper shoots it with a grenade launcher, uh, which is really <laughs> fun. Uh, sometimes the skippers would let a kid operate the grenade launcher. Like the Incredible. grenade launcher was the best part of the whole thing. It was great. I miss this ride so much. I was like watching old, like I was, I was, I was rewatching ride throughs of it while researching. And I like shed a single tear. It's mm. so great. It's so fun. Especially that triumphant moment at the end when after you blow up the shark and you round the corner and Brody comes on the radio, it's like, are you guys okay? Yeah. And he goes like, call off the Marines. We're coming home. And everyone goes, woo. Like, it's uh, really a class a example of like the magic of theme parks and and how yeah. like, theming and and ride manufacturing and amazing team members uh, and employees can like work together for to sure. create a really unforgettable experience. Yeah, and it's will, a proof point. It's a proof point for Universal's approach as well. Yeah, where you will still walk off sopping wet for no reason. Um, but not a proof point of that because <laughs> I can't stress enough. You walk off the Minions ride yeah. and you're like, "Did Gru spit on me?" This is awful. You will get wet. Um, also, final fact, blew my mind. Apparently, at Halloween Horror Nights 10 in the year 2000, the ride was given a temporary makeover and renamed Bloody Waters with added blood and gore effects from the shark. Uh, and on occasion, literal scare actors in the boathouse scene. Does so, that make any sense for them to be there? No. <laughs> so can they do that to escape from Gringotts this year, too? <laughs> um... Uh, yeah, that's going to do it for that's all the information I have on Jaws other than go, you know, go make yourself a blue Hawaiian, make yourself a pina colada, set yeah. up, set up tonight, watch Jaws. It's a great summer also, thing to do. I'd be remiss to not mention something that my partner Ezra uh, has asked that I mention, which is the Onion movie review of this film, <laughs> which posits the correct theory that... Uh, that the shark represents the repressed homosexuality of uh, of Adrian Brody, <laughs> and when he kills <laughs> when he kills the shark, he is then able to you know marry a man, which is what he's been wanting to do for his whole life. Um, yeah, I, I've I've only just found out about this, so I'm gonna when we finish recording, I'm gonna go watch it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Great American Scream. If you enjoyed, please leave a rate and review if you listen on iTunes or follow us if you listen on Spotify. There's also a fancy little share button on that service that you can post to Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, which would be lovely. Best way to spread the word, as always, is to tell a friend about it. Adam, can you pimp our social medias, please? Yes, you can check us out on Facebook at The Great American Scream or more frequently on Twitter and Instagram at Great Scream Pod. Uh, please send us what you think of Jaws. What are your favorite moments? Uh, is Adrian Brody gay? You tell us. You decide. Yes. Um, <laughs> please uh, tweet us. You don't decide. I decide. <laughs> tweet us or post using the hashtag TGAS and as always, if there is something that you would like to hear about in the show, please tweet it at us. Let us know because your suggestion may become a topic for a future episode. 
Thank you to Michael Segudo for doing the disclaimer at the beginning of the show, as well as to Stevie Viola for doing the intro and outro music. You can find him on Twitter and YouTube. Oh, I was going to say, do yes, do remember that we are bi-weekly for our little summer of Scream. Uh, so there will not be a new episode next week, but there will be one episode uh, after that. So uh, please, uh, we gave you an extra long episode to tide you over. Until it is then. very long. Uh, thank you also to our patrons on the level of Man in the Fields or higher. You can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash greatscreampod. Tons of great rewards there and tons of more content coming once I get off my lazy butt. Thank you to Regina, Ben, Bree, Gail, Joyce, Melinda, and Chris. I have been Devin Wright. I have been Adam O'Connell. And hopefully you have been spooked, but in a fun Steven Spielberg kind of way. Adam? Yeah. You now it's your uh, Adam. You have one. You have one job in this whole podcast. You don't do anything else for this <laughs> podcast except one thing, which is in the outro. You say one thing, and that is what. You know what? Actually, I'm twisting around. I'm not going to tell oh y'all. To, wait, wait, wait. I'm not going to tell y'all to be safe. I'm telling those sharks out there to be safe. Hey, sharks, be safe out there. Yeah, and go check out the Shark Conservation Fund. Sharkconservation.org. Shark, shark party. Shark party.